Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So my in-laws just called to let us know they're on their way over and we're out of food. Great. Luckily, Instacart helps me get groceries delivered in as fast as an hour. Plenty of time to cook an in-law-worthy meal. Now, what to make? Chicken parm. Perfect. Download the Instacart app or visit instacart.com to get $20 off your first order using the code PREPARED20. Now the only thing to worry about is dinner conversation. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $35. Delivery subject to availability. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. So, yeah, we are here for another episode. I have two different conversations with two different people. The first conversation is with Tanisha. She's going to give us a nice recap of her press trip that she's on so far. And um, then I have uh, me and Glennis have a conversation with Ken Pettis. He's a sommelier out of New York, and he will give us the full story of how he got started and what he does now. Really quick, we have some exciting news. The Swirl Sweet Podcast is a part of a network now. We are a part of a Black woman-owned podcast network run by Black women, for Black women, only includes Black women, and it's called the Alive Podcast Network. If you're wondering if anything about the show is going to change, no, um, everything is going to stay the same. Um, They're going to make a big announcement soon, and you may see our name pop up here and there. But uh, yeah, this is a big step for us, and we're excited. So enjoy this episode with Tanisha and Ken. Cheers. So where are you this week? Yes, I'm in Avignon. Well, please so tell Avignon, us about that. <laughs> so Avignon is the region of Chateauneuf du Pop. So I got here this morning and then they promptly picked me up and we went to visit three vineyards and um, uh, amazing wines, all of them. Just got back from dinner and um, uh, there was a producer there who brought some wines for us to taste at dinner. So Chateauneuf du Pop Blanc. And then three different styles of Chateauneuf de Pop Rouge, where they're using all 13 grapes. I think we had a 2019, a 2000-something else, and then 2011. Amazing. And when you said using all 13 grapes, like blended together? Yes. Wow. You know, it was 13, 13 um, grapes are allowed in Chateauneuf de Pop. Right. Um, and so they were allowing, yeah. Oh, man. So they, and when you say rouge, is that red or is that rosé? Red. Okay. They're known for their reds. They do whites too. And with the whites in the blend, it's usually um, Roussan, Claret Blanc, Bourbonnac, and Grenache Blanc. Okay. Some mashup of those. So. I don't think I've ever had a white one. I hadn't before I moved here. And uh, yeah, I, I hadn't. I didn't even know they did whites because you don't learn about the whites. They're known for their reds. Yeah, absolutely. So huh. To be there and then taste how it's different with like you've heard of the galets that they um, yeah. that they're known for in that region, but then there are also some regions, some parts of Chateauneuf de Pop that have sand, so hmm. sandy soil. So there is a difference if you taste one from the galette and then one from the sand. You can taste a difference uh, in the two. One has a bit more acidity, a bit more freshness. Whereas the other one has um, more fruit and that kind of thing. So hmm. it was interesting it's, to taste those. What did you guys have for dinner? 
lamb was the main course. Zucchini, zucchini flowers was the oh, I um, love zucchini flowers. I, and they were and they were stuffed. So the zucchini was like split, oh and then God. the flower part was stuffed. What they stuff it with? Cheese. It was like it was cheese, corn, oh. uh, tomato. And something else that I couldn't put my finger on. I was just like, I'm oh just my god, just enjoy every. Minute. That sounds so good. Man. Dessert was lamb. I mean, the main course was lamb and polenta. Yes. And then dessert was uh, fresh strawberries because strawberries are in season. So fresh strawberries. Then a strawberry sorbet mm. with like this. You know how they do that little crisp thing on the top? It's really thin. Yeah, like a wafer. Like yeah. yeah, but then like it has all the holes in it. it looked, yes, it was like that, and so oh they god. put that on top. I feel that like I can amazing. taste everything. It was amazing. So yeah, awesome. I'm stuffed and put yeah. a lay on top of this. But yeah. <laughs> so what are your plans? How long are you gonna be there? And what are your plans I for the rest of the trip? I am here till Saturday. Okay. Um, we have I think four or five places to visit tomorrow. So wow. I'm gonna be long out. Yeah. I'm like, y'all packing this in. Um <laughs> and then Thursday and Friday is a conference on vineyards and biodiversity. So okay. that was the main goal of why I'm here right. to attend that conference. Because um, I want to hear more about this because this is something that's been coming up a lot lately. And I don't quite understand how um, birds and insects and bees mm. and all of that contributes to biodiversity in the vineyard. And so I want to know about that. And yeah. since the conference is in Avignon, they were like, oh, well, let's just get some press people. Let's get some people down here and go through Chateau de Pop. And so... Wow. Since I was inducted into the organization for Shouting of the Pop, they were like, oh, we got to get Tunisia down. So, mm-hmm. so my name got in the hat. Well, that's perfect. And, um, yeah. Then there's a woman from India here, um, a couple of people from Italy, um, another woman from the south of France, her and her son work together in some wine projects, um, and then one from America. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that conference part ought to be interesting. We tasted today, went to the winery for Chateau Beaucastel, okay, which, I don't is know that owned by, which is owned by Famille Perrin. And so you probably don't know Famille Perrin or Chateau Beaucastel, um, but you do know Miraval. Yeah. And they're the ones who make Miraval. Huh. Okay. Got mm-hmm. you. So when they said that, I was like, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. They make that really pretty um, rosé. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, that was that. So I took photos and, you know, drank the things. I'll post them. This is how, why I don't post why stuff happens like days later when I post. People are like, oh, post it, you know, uh, the day you do it. It's 11 o'clock. Yeah. I have had multiple glasses. I know that the bus comes to pick us up at like 830. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's tough because, um, People think that these trips are all fun, which they are enjoyable, but they become work at some point because you do have to pay attention and take notes so you can regurgitate all of this either on your blog or social media. You have to remember these facts. Right. That's what you are there for. Right. Like these people do not sponsor you and fly you or train Mm -hmm. you, you know somewhere, pay for all these extravagant dinners, open up these bottles of wine. Just for you to be like, okay, thanks for the information. Yeah. I've learned a lot. No, because Chateau Beaucastel, they were asking him, what is the um, 
he opened a 2019. He's like, oh, it's too young. You know, you need to have at least 10 years on this. And they're like, mm. oh, well, what's the retail of this? I think he said 80. Oh. No, I was like, oh. Oh, 80 euro. Yes. Oh, that's a lot for I'm like, that's right. And I'm like, that's 80 here. Right. I'm like, I don't even want to know what that costs when it gets to America. Yeah, Lord knows. Look, because I'm not going to drink it again for 80. <laughs> <laughs> like, to- <laughs> i'm out i'm out okay oh really quick before we move forward um we were podcast guests so we were in the guest chair a few weeks ago that was fun on the wine pair podcast and they were they were really awesome they were very very welcoming and um it was a fun episode and it is up i will put the link in the description box so that was super fun that was very fun yeah it was fun to be on the other side of things for once Mm -hmm. And, and be sure to listen to our previous episodes. We have several. Yeah. Listen to that. Listen to the one that where we talked about the Italian rosé Chiretto. Yeah, that was um, a good one. We'll probably talk in a couple weeks about what I have learned about biodiversity. So I got to take yes. notes and be accountable. Yeah, yeah. maybe I'll I appreciate something. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I really want to understand the aspect of the bees because that I hear a lot about bees. The pollination. And I know places. Yeah. And I know yeah. places that like have bee sanctuaries on their mm. property and I don't understand how that works just yet so. yeah oh yeah. and also Eric Depardine of Zydeco Meadery so he sent four bottles of mead so I'm excited to taste they're small bottles like this tall um okay. but I'm excited to taste them so I'm gonna sit outside this weekend and um and taste them but that's so did he send you four bottles to like uh distribute Oh, that's a very good question. Was it four bottles that you are going to drink? That is very, you know, that's a very good question. I should probably check. (laughs) Because we just did so much wine. I just assumed that he sent, you know what, I'll check since it's four. Yeah, you're probably right. I'll check on that. In case you missed this announcement at the beginning of the introduction. Drink them all. (laughs) Second announcement. Just part out and just drink them all. (laughs) Second announcement. Uh, we got a home, y'all. We were picked up by a podcast network called A Live Podcast Network. What? <laughs> I got to yes. act surprised like I just heard it. It is led <laughs> by <laughs> it is led by a black woman, and it is a podcast network <clears throat> specifically for black women. So that's very exciting um, to be a part of a podcast family officially. Well, we're excited about it. Yes. That so these episodes thing. have to come out weekly. <laughs> so if anything, you're going to hear somebody's voice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise you a voice you're going to hear, but you're going to hear something. So, well, you get promises always going to be yours because if you well, don't hear it, then it don't exist. Well, so what have you been, how do you decompress from these trips? Do you get like, um, do you get tired or tired of like socializing? Yes. And I'm slightly burnt out now because, you know, I um, you was just, just came back. Italy. Yeah. And then so I was like, oh, well, you've been back a week. Yeah. But that week was my last week um, teaching. Mm. And so I had a lot to prepare for that, uh, you know, during that week. Yeah. I had to get the, the tasting together. I had to get um, their final lecture and then create their final exam. And then I had to grade it. Mm. and grade all of their final assignments before I left because I knew wow. my time wouldn't be my own so yeah that suitcase is still um sitting on the floor of my room 
Oh man. Stuff hanging out of it. <laughs> so like, is do you have any other trips coming up or is this like a last one for a minute? This is the last one till mid-June. Mm. Um, cause I actually have a lot of tastings coming up next week is kind of chill so I can decompress a bit next week then the mm-hmm. week after that I'm booked for tastings tours and so that starts the wow. busy season and okay. I'm back in the classroom I have six weeks break from school and then I'm back teaching um well in six weeks <laughs> wow whatever the math is on that whatever date that is I'm back teaching that. well you know what being booked and busy is a good problem to have so Listen, because I remember when no one knew who I was, no one was checking for me. Okay. My bank account was on negative 25 euro and I didn't have money to get a Metro ticket. I remember vividly one time I didn't have money to get on Metro ticket. I was like, okay, I'm about to jump this turnstile. Mm -hmm. Please don't let me get caught. I got to jump it twice to get to where I'm going and to get back. Okay. I don't have the money. Like Alrighty, everybody, this is the second part of our conversation with Ken Pettis and Glennis. Cheers. Well, welcome to the Swell Suite. We were, um, Glennis and I were just talking. We were watching, um, me and my husband watch, were watching um, Nomad, Carlton McCoy's show yesterday on CNN. Yeah. And as my husband's watching, he's always watching like wine people and, and how we interact with wine, our relationship with wine. And his question was, do you guys insure your palates? Like, are your are your palates insured? That was the question. Now, when they say when he says insured, like, do you like always redefine and redevelop your palate? Do you keep it updated? Like, no, do you insured. drink insured like I did when I was living in my household? Like, when he says insured, <laughs> insurance, <laughs> insurance, like, like you insure oh, your car. Your okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I've never now, been asked that before. Hmm. My palate. My my palate's expensive, right? So I figured that's a that's a pretty high premium. There you um, go. <laughs> that's what yeah. No, not for, I mean, mine has. Mm-hmm. How how would one insure their palate? That's a very good question. Yeah, like which insurance company is taking on that product is one because it'll be a new product in right. the insurance thing. So yeah. it's a Geico Allstate, you know. <laughs> Hell, can we start our own insurance? Progressive. Well, progressive. Oh, it's a very good question. Very good question. So, Ken, welcome to the Swell Suite. Please introduce yourself to everybody. Uh, my name is Ken Pettis. Um, Kenneth, if I, you know, make my mother upset. Um, so, I've been in the wine industry almost 11, 12 years now, right? I started out. I'd like to say I finessed my way into it, but you know, if you would ask me 10 years ago, if I would have been here, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even known what this position was that I'm in. Right. Um, I started, I guess currently. So I work with one of the biggest wine portfolios in one of the biggest cities in America, right. In New York city. Um, that's like my nine to five, but my five to nine and whatever occupies my time after, uh, I put on uh, wine experiences, just wine kickbacks. I, I like, I mean, what it is, it's an experience, right? I like people to have a good time. Me, because I like to have a good time, right? Um, and I put together wine experiences where people can come and they're unconventional wine tastings, very untraditional, but very welcoming, right? 
uh, very inclusive um, for someone that has tried a thousand wines or someone that has tried two wines, right? Um, the goal is to make everybody uh, comfortable uh, with their wine selection, their wine choices, whether they have had many or whether they haven't had any, right? Um, so that's, that's pretty much my long and short, right? Um, I started off many years ago uh, working in one of the biggest wine stores in Queens. Uh, shout out to New York City. Shout out to Queens. Um, and learning the background of and the basics and the fundamentals of wine, right? And very ambitious. I wanted, I came into one of, literally, one of the top three biggest wine stores in Queens. Uh, one of the top 10 biggest wine stores in New York City, right? And I wanted to own it from the first day I walked in there, right? But I knew nothing. So my goal is I wanted to learn any and everything that I could about wine. And every time somebody would come in with a bottle of wine, I wanted to try it. I remember the first Sauvignon Blanc I tried, I was like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm tasting butter. And I felt so stupid because there was no butter in there. Somebody was like, yeah, we must have dropped a stick of butter in there, right? And I, I felt that. I felt that. I felt like he wasn't shading me, but I felt the shade. I was like, this will never happen again. I'll never, I'll never experience this feeling again, right? Um, so I wanted to learn more. I wanted to taste anything. I wanted to taste everything. And uh, Nice. So you said um, you have a nine to five and a five to nine. The, nine to, the five to nine is the yeah. kickbacks. So what's the nine to five? The nine to five. So I work with uh, I work with a big wine portfolio. Right. Um, the biggest wine portfolio I know on the northeast. I'll have to do the research um, uh, around the world. But. I mean, a bunch of wines that do millions of cases on a yearly basis, right? So I work with those um, in Queens and Brooklyn in New York City, right? I'm pretty much their eyes and their ears. And I'm the consultants for a bunch of not just the suppliers, but for consumers, right? So um, when I look at things, right, especially in the wine industry, and like when I look at trends and when I look at trajectories. I look at it through a bunch of different lenses because of the experiences I've had in the industry, right? So I don't just look at it through a consumer's lens, right? I look at it through uh, a wine store owner's lens. I look at it through a distributor's lens. I look at it through a supplier's lens. I look at it through my lens, right? So, um, and that's just from the experience that I've had over the decade plus in the industry, right? So you get a view, uh, a view from a lot of different perspectives, but it makes it hard because it, it's ultimately what forms mine and my perspective and my opinions. Um, but I've seen a lot and um, I've also had experience from the ground, right? For people that are walking into a wine store and know nothing about what they're looking for. You know, I, and I relate to those people because I was that person at one time, right? So I think that's why I kind of cater my events and I want to make them feel uh, the most comfortable in these wine events and these experiences where there's five, 10, 15 wines, and I want them to try them all. I want them to help develop their palate. I want them to know the difference between a Sauvignon Blanc and a Chardonnay or a Pinot Noir and a Cabernet, right? Like, then that's just like rooted in fundamentals, right? Then we start building, building those building blocks and getting to those more untraditional, unconventional wine uh, varietals and, and, and different regions and stuff like that, right? So um, 
Yeah, the long and short of it. So what what actually brought you to wine? How did you start working in wine at the very beginning? So that's a very fun story, but it's very long, so I'll shorten it up for you, right? So um, I'm born and raised in New York. Um, I moved to Detroit for four years. Shout out to the D. What up, though? Um, <laughs> uh, from there, I, uh, I developed relationships with people there that lived in Europe. And they were like, you need to come out to Europe. My first job ever was I was a professional DJ, right? So again, long story short, they're like, you need to come out and DJ in my club in Europe. And I'm like, this just sounds weird and far-fetched. But eventually I took them up off on it a year or two later, and I ended out in Europe. I spent four or five months in Europe. I was DJing um, in unique clubs and lounges in Albania and Montenegro and I found a winery there out in Montenegro in Podgovica. It was my first. I'm, listen, I'm Jamaican, right? So, like, the alcohols that I knew were Johnny Walker, Hennessy, Red Stripe, Heineken, Guinness. Oh, and As Glennis <laughs> drinks are Red Stripe today. <laughs> You're done already. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is my favorite. So, like... Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm I'm jealous right now. I wish I had one with you. Um, and stones, stones, ginger, and and Harley's Bristol cream, right? So like that was it. I didn't know anything. What? About no Ray and nephew. Um, Ray and I mean, just, I drink. I think of that as water. I don't even think of that as liquor. Like <laughs> that's what I put on my gums when I would exactly. go to school with swollen gums. My mom be like, rub this on. It's so medicinal. Yeah, of course, Ray and nephew too. It is. It is. That's a fact. Um, I'm sorry. That's I'm funny. Sorry. Um, so yes. So I, I lived in I lived in Europe for about four or five months, and I visited my first winery, and I became entranced. Right. So then, when I moved back to New York, I uh, moved back to Queens. I, that's when I started searching out. Uh, one of my best friends worked in this wine store. I started talking to him about my new infatuation and wanting to know more. And he was like, "Well, if you if you want in, just let me know. I'll get you in." So that was my introduction into the wine world. Oh, nice. And then from there, just taking the ball and running with it, right? So I um, it's funny. How, I I would I would, oh go ahead, go ahead. So so you were working in the wine shop. How long did you work in the wine shop? Um, when you discovered that you can do these events, and like, how did that come about? Because you were, yeah. we met in New York in November. And you were kind of telling me the story, did, but it was yeah. very loud. There's a lot of people. So just uh, tell that story. That's the city, right? Um, thank goodness. I miss the city being loud and being able to have conversations that you can't really hear. Um, <laughs> so uh, working in the wine store, right? It goes back a little, like the steps of trajectory goes back a little bit further. So working in the wine store, I didn't even know that people could make careers out of the wine industry, right? I was working, I was looking at it as a job. And then working in one of the biggest wine stores, you have access to a lot of different suppliers and lots of different distributors that want to get their wines on these shelves in these wine stores. And the people that would come in to these stores, that I, especially the ones that I worked in, would be decked out in nice shoes. They'd be ha- driving in nice cars. They had nice suits on and none of them were black. And I looked at it like, what am I missing here? There's there's something here. And then these people talk about going these extravagant trips to all these vineyards and wineries, but just extravagant extravagant trips that they would take with their families. And I'm I'm like, there are people 
that are living great lives and they're doing it selling wine. I need to know more. So that was my kind of infatuation. It was like, okay, I need to, I need to build my own building blocks. I need to learn more about wine before I can talk to other people about wine, right? So that's kind of the, that was the, um, the burning fuel into wanting to learn more about wine. But then once I got out of uh, the wine store that I was working in, I worked it for five years. Um, we had about four or 5,000 different SKUs of wine. Um, I started their online shipping company. We shipped, my, in my last two years, we were shipping a million a year uh, online shipping. I started that, ran that. Um, that's one of my babies. Um, but it was in there, and that's how I would learn about more uh, trajectory, trajectories and trends in wine by seeing what people would buy from all over the country. We were shipping out to like 30, 40 different states. Um, so that was another key that I'm like, there are people around the country that are drinking not just good wine, but great wine. Okay, noted. So then when I got to the distributor side and I started working with brands, I would go to these wine tastings. I would go to wine tastings, whether it be small ones or like as big as the New York City Wine and Food Festival, right? It's, it was, usually would happen every fall. It'd be right on the West Side Highway and it's like a three-day event, right? And it's huge. And I, I loved, I looked forward to that event every year. Um, but so I would go to these wine tastings and I would have a good time, but I would always say there's always things I would do differently, right? I get the market that is catered to, but there was always things that I would do differently, right? Fast forward to 2020, when there weren't any wine tastings, right? There, was, there wasn't much of anything in 2020. Um, I started to, to, like, I would have conversations with my friends, and they would, I would say how I missed wine tastings. Like, this is the first year in like eight, nine years, I haven't been to a wine tasting. And a lot of my friends had never been to wine tastings. Huh. Light okay. bulb goes off. There's an opportunity. Right. There's an opportunity here. I can show bits and pieces of what I gravitated me towards loving wine tastings, right? And wine mixers, but put my own spin on it, right? Mm -hmm. In gracious essences that I would want. I literally have the keys and I could do it myself, right? After people were stuck in the house for like three months, I told a couple people I'm going to be on a rooftop with a couple cases of wine, right? Just to, um, it's on a large rooftop and people were able to be as distant. You could be 20 yards from the next person if you wanted to, right? But it was warm. It was the New York City summer. Everybody had been cooped up for three months. I'm like, just come get outside. 70 people showed up. I had to shut it down. <laughs> I had to shut it down. Wow. I was like, this is, I'm like, you're not going to make me a super spreader. I shut it down. But it was also like, there's a light bulb. There's, there's something here. There's something to this that people, A, just want to get out and like spread their wings a little bit and fly. But um, people were gravitated because a lot of my friends had never really been um, introduced to the wine industry. They didn't, all they knew was Peter Vela that they had, you know, had box wine that they had in college or barefoot or like, I mean, my first wine was like Nathanson's Creek White Zinfandel, right? I used to get a 1.5 and knock that bad boy out and thought I was doing something, you know? Um, but so like, it was, it was an opportunity to share what I've been working on for the past eight, nine years of my professional life and put my friends on because they would always see what I was doing with wine and they'd be uh, curious anytime. Any, I mean, if anybody's in the wine industry, right. 
you know you get a call from your friends that are not in wine when they're at a liquor store or they're at a wine store and they'd say, help me. Mm-hmm. Everybody's received that phone call. So I said, you know what? I'm going to help y'all and um, hopefully help y'all make choices when you're in your wine stores by trying out this one. If you like it, cool. If you don't, tell me what you don't like. By telling me what you don't like, I can guide you towards this one. And, you know, mm-hmm. rinse, repeat process, right? So that's, um, that's kind of how this came to be, you know, what it is today. So what, um, what can people expect from your events? Um, you can expect a selection of wines, right? Okay. For one, it is a wine, maybe a wine tasting, right? Um, but I try to lower the levels of pretension, right? That, you know, can be assumed when you're dealing with wine, right? I, I just have a bunch of friends that they just feel they don't know anything and they're kind of like intimidated to jump in because, you know, for whatever reason, just they didn't appeal to them, right? Meanwhile, if they're told and educated and put onto things that they do like, it's very approachable. You know, you just, it's a matter of talking to them, you know? So there definitely be a good selection of wines, but there definitely be music. I'm a person, as I said, I was a DJ, right? My, my first job. Um, it, DJing is what led me to Europe, is what led me to wine. So like, I, I, have, to in, uh, I have to include music in the things I do, right? So I definitely have reggae playing in the background. I definitely have R&B playing in the background. I definitely have hip hop playing in the background. So it lends itself to a more unconventional uh, setting, right? an untraditional wine mixer, wine tasting setting. Um, there'd definitely be food there. Um, and then depends on wh- where it is, there's a different element added, right? I, I add games, right? I put in things that people can have fun with, whether it be, you know, bags as, or cornhole, as we used to call it in Detroit, um, whether it be like Jenga games or just little things that people can do to have a good time and right. be blinded to the fact that they're learning about wine, right? Um, I have an event coming up this week. Um, I fly out to tomorrow to LA. It's going to be on the beach, right? So nice. that added beach and blanket element to it, right? So they have the sunset in the background, and it's like a, it's going to be like eighty-five, ninety-degree day on the beach. So um, pretty influential. I don't want to say celebrity famous people, but you never know who you might actually bump into and have access to. Um, you know, at these events. So, uh, and again, I just try to incorporate different elements every single time just to switch up things, not switch it up, but just to add to it. Um, but, uh, it's definitely a good time. You're definitely going to come out. Definitely. If you like good people, if you like good vibes, if you like good music, um, you'll have a good time. That's nice because I was, you kind of touched on the question I was getting ready to ask you. And that was, are all your events only in New York or do you take your events on the road? <clears throat> and you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, that- so I, started, I started in New York, right. That's mm-hmm. my home base. Um, and all last summer uh, I would pick parks out. Right. Uh, I'd pick parks out in, uh, I had parks in Manhattan. I had a couple parks in Brooklyn um, where I would literally just, it'd be like a pop-up. Right. And I would send out messages. I'm at X location with six cases of wine. Meet me. 
pay for a cup. You can drink as much as you want. I don't want to take these cases home. And people show up, right? And so that's how it built. And every time I would do another one, it would just double and double and double in size. Uh, I got kicked out of a park in Brooklyn last summer. I was like, I was telling my friends, I'm like, I think I got one more. I got one more in this park. And they were like, no, you got two more. I'm like, oh, I got one. <laughs> this one event, it, the police came, they showed up, because technically, technically, you're not supposed okay. to be having open containers in the parks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> technically. But I was like, listen, I'm not selling liquor. I'm selling cups. Whatever you pour in the cup, eh, it's on you. Uh, <laughs> Very creative. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, they came. So it's funny. They came and took the wine. And I had, wow, hordes of people are pouring into this park. I'm talking about, I, as they're taking the wine, I had like 30, 40 people coming to a park where there were already 100 people in. And I went out and I was like, my friends hid some cases as the police were taking me out of the park. And I'm like, yo, we got to keep the party going. I literally went to the wine store and I bought like four more cases. I bought like some tequila too, because by that time I was pissed. I'm like, oh <laughs> my God. And uh, yeah, we, we kept the event going. So it was dope. So, um, so that was last year. Um, so my goal this year was to move the needle a little bit, right? Um, I had friends that were watching what I was doing uh, in New York City, in LA. And they were like, you need to bring this vibe out to LA. And I was like, listen, there's only one way I'm gonna do this because I, I originated in like a park setting, right? I was like, if I get to do it on the beach, that's the only way I'm gonna do it, right? It's gotta be right. It's gotta fit the essence of it, right? And I definitely did that in March. I was like, you know what? I had a couple friends' birthdays that were out there. And I was like, here's what we're going to do. I said, we're going to execute it X, Y, Z. I'm going to have some cups sent out there. I'm going to label and brand my cups. I'm going to have a little bar set up on the beach. I'm cautious because I have my previous experiences in New York City. So I'm not really sure what I can do, what I can get away with. Right. But, um, but yeah, it went off as a success. And I'm going to do it one more time uh, this Saturday. Um, so I'll be in L.A. But so to answer your question it is to be in L.A., um, not in L.A., um, in uh, Miami, in Atlanta um, by the end of the year as well. Right. My So for this for this summer, for this summer, I have um, event spaces in L.A. so I can like be legal. <laughs> for the most part. But um, um, so, yeah. So but I also have uh, in New York City this year uh, since I've you know, traveling and doing some events and New York city friends are hitting me up like, yo, what are you doing? You're not leaving us. Right. So I have events planned for New York city. Whereas in every borough, every, every major borough, right. The Bronx, um, Manhattan, Queens, and Brooklyn, I have specific venues picked out some really amazing, um, historic, iconic venues picked out, um, where, I'm going to do uh, wine events and wine mixers where people can come out, have a good time, enjoy the ambiance that is New York City because every specific venue has a taste. It's, it's, it's definitely fits every essence of every borough, right? So um, the first event is in a week, May 21st in the Bronx, right? In the South Bronx, but it overlooks South, the South city Bronx. skyline of Manhattan. Yeah, South Bronx, yeah. Um, so then I have, I have another event in June in Manhattan um, at Soho House, which, you know, just encapsulates, you know, all New York City, right? 
Um, I'm a big Soho House person. I'm catching me at Soho nice. House on the weekends. And then I have some some future. I have some queens in Brooklyn. I can't. I I could share, but I want to keep it uh, under wraps. What I have in store for queens in Brooklyn, especially Brooklyn. Oh, well, can you especially tell Brooklyn? But for um, Brooklyn, can you give us a tidbit of the 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 month at least? Case you got out of towners that want to come to uh, Okay, offline, 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 offline. August twenty, August, August twenty, August twenty eighth, August twenty eighth. Nice. I said the month, but you gave the date too. Hot. That's hot. So, <laughs> Sarita, this is my last question because you know old people have to ask a question when they can remember. So, what do you, you said? You. You don't, you're not literally selling the wine, you're selling the cup. Now, are we really talking about plastic yeah. cups? For, so for the wine snob that don't like to drink wine out of plastic, can I buy a cup and bring my own glass? Uh -huh. Okay. That's all. 100%. 100%. Okay. If you like it, I love it. You know? <laughs> um, I, I get it. I get it. I listen. I, 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 I will never call somebody a wine snob. Um, at all, because I'm a big fan of letting people like what they like, right? It also right. goes both ways, right? If somebody enjoys Carlo Rossi Sangria, if they enjoy that, don't shame them for enjoying it. You know, you could show them different, show them if something if might that you might feel might be better, show, give right. them the option of trying it, right? Exactly. But if they're, they're pal everybody's pound is different. Right. So I'll never shame somebody for their wine choice, no matter what they like. Right. And I'll never call somebody a wine snob because, listen, my I, I my Jamaican aunties, listen, they will not drink a bottle that is not nickel and nickel. They will not drink a bottle that is under a hundred dollars. You get what I'm saying? Like it, the Cabernet has got to be from Oakville. You get what I'm saying? Like, so, and I love it. I love it, right? Sometimes drinking bubbles out of plastic, it just takes on its own new nuances. So for me, I-, I It takes on a different, it takes on a little bit of a different essence. I get it. I yeah. get it. So. To, the, to the refined palate. <laughs> so last series question, what are some trends that you're seeing um, in your events as far as like wine trends? What do people love right now? So, you know, what's, people are asking for and I haven't um it's not that I've resisted it I just to me when I have the events I have anywhere from 10 to 12 different wines and that includes sparkling right I'll have a cava I'll have a prosecco I'll have a champagne I'll have uh white wines uh typically from different regions red wines from different regions and rosé right some of them sometimes will be sponsored um, I've started working with a bunch of different wineries, but the one thing that I've been asked for that I haven't brought yet is natural wine. Mm. Uh, people ask about natural wine. And I think that is going to be, again, as I said before, before earlier, I look at things through, di through different lenses, right? Through different aspects of the industry. And I see um, two, two ones, right? So natural wine, but also orange wine. I think whoever is able to distribute efficiently really good natural wine and really good orange wine will be winners 
in this game, in the wine industry, because I think that is what's holding both of those trends back is there's not great distribution on either of them, right? And But there are people that are looking for them. Uh, we have a little game for you. We have five people and I'm going to give you a name okay. one by one. And then you tell me what wine that person reminds you of. You ready? All right. Oh, okay, sure. Okay, here we go. First one, Regina Hall. Regina Hall, I'm going to say, reminds me of like a a Chateau Neuf de Pop. Just very elegant, smooth, silky, velvet, but fire, right? Mm. Just classy, but fire. Okay. All right. All right, next one, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. I, you know what, I give, a Jamie Foxx to me is probably the living, probably the greatest entertainer that we have right now. And I feel that he doesn't get the kudos or he doesn't get the flowers he deserves. I think everybody appreciates him for who he is and like his presence. But I really feel when you're talking about music, when you're talking about acting, when you're talking about hosting, when you're talking about comedy, when you're talking about just being who he is naturally and he can appeal to every single demographic and does it effortlessly, like he's versatile, right? So um, to me, Chardonnay is probably the most versatile grape of the wine world. Um, where it can be different no matter where it's from. Um, but I'll give him like Grand Cru status. I'll give him like a Montrachon, like a, a Grand Cru for Jamie Foxx, for sure. Very nice. Very nice. I love that answer. All right. Third one, Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah, the queen. You and I see why. That's why yeah, I'm showing my age by saying you and I see why. Oh, <laughs> um, Queen Latifah, again, again, like another very, uh, Queen, Queen Latifah has done it, right? Whether it's been acting, whether it's been um, singing, whether it's been rapping, um, she has established her presence, right? And she's a, a, a bold presence. And uh, I, but I think like everybody loves Queen Latifah, right? Um, I haven't heard anybody say they hate Malbec yet. Um, so I'm going to go with like a Katina Zapata Malbec of something bold, but that everybody loves, right? I love it. I love it. All right. Buster Rhymes. <laughs> Buster. Um, so Buster is, is one of those big body cabs. Um, that my aunts love straight out of Oakville. <laughs> All right, last one, J Lo. J Lo, oh J Lo. If there was a wine from the Bronx, I would I would put it. Let's say Corona. Corona's almost from the Bronx right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'll give I'll give J Lo. Um, I'll give J Lo a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, but oh, nice. not. A new, not a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc though. I'd I'd give her, um, say a California one because I think there's a little more, uh, there's a little more tropical 
notes, a little more tropical fruit to, to her. And, um, you know, she's still got the pizzazz. She's still working it right. And uh, I, I rock with J-Lo. I, and, like, the J-Lo is, I don't know who her trainer is. I don't know who her nutritionist is. But, I like, I just want a version of them that wouldn't cost me $50,000 a year, right? So, um so Savion Blanc would be my my uh, my J Lo comparison for sure. Yeah, J Lo eats no carbs, no sugar, no alcohol. That's why she looks so fantastic. She she doesn't have any fun. J Lo can't eat with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I tried that actually. Can I tell you? I tried that for ten days because it was like I think A Rod did the diet when she was there with A Rod, where they were talking about like that no carbs, mm-hmm. no sugar diet. I tried that for two days. <sighs> I lost seven pounds. Wow. I will say I lost like seven, eight pounds, but it is not fun. What was the it's hardest part about that? It's like uh, living in New York City, avoiding bread, pizza, mm. bagels. Okay. Everything. That not even good. the alcohol. I thought you were <laughs> the alcohol first. No, I can, I can give about it. So, Working in the in the industry, right? I used to uh, like every two or three, every like from January to March, I would give up alcohol at least for at least sixty days because, especially coming off um, OND October, November, December, when there's a holiday party every week, yeah, and right. there's all these celebrations and everything gets excessive, right? So I did I I like to regulate my body every every once in a while, so I could do ten days without the alcohol. That's that's got fine. you. I've, Trust me, I've I've taken back more than enough bottles of wine where I can, <laughs> bro, you need to chill for <laughs> I love it. Well, Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Did you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Um, you could find me at. Ken Plush, uh, it's, so my name is Ken Pettis, and it's supposed to be Ken P. Lush, like, loves to drink, but everybody literally just, uh, just sounds it out phonetically as Plush, so it's plush. That Ken P. Sense. Lush, or Ken okay. Plush, at, uh, at, uh, at, on Instagram, uh, my company's name is Unwind101, you can find that on my Instagram, same thing with Twitter, Unwind101 on Twitter, um, and Ken Lush. Excellent. Excellent. Great. Great. Well, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. And we wish you all the luck with your wine events this summer. Exactly. Exactly. Best wishes. And maybe we can collaborate and do something here in D.C. Oh, that'd be so fun. Let's talk about it. (laughs) As always, thank you all for joining the podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed these two episodes with Tanisha's recap and Ken Pettis. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share. Be sure to follow all of us on social media. I am at Find Me Up, Tanisha Girl Meets Glass, Glennis Vino Noir, and Leslie at Vino 301, and also the Wine Concierge. Cheers. Have a great weekend.